Chicago. This is your morning routine. Put some respect on my name. Cap and J-Hood. That's right. That's right. We're bad. Uh-huh. Watch the show on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Stream the show on the ESPN Chicago app and on FM 100.3 HD2 and on ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, now, now. David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. Good morning, everyone. Bring them out. Bring them out. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome in to the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000. And we are streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood with you. We got Kevin, we've got Jay Moore, and we got you for a three hour ride on this football Monday with open phone lines for you. 312. 332-ESPN-332-3776 is our telephone number. And, Cap, before we can even get comfortable in the chairs, we have already got some breaking news regarding the Chicago Bears. Shane Waldron is finalizing a contract. Tom Pellicero from NFL Network first to report it. Courtney Cronin then confirmed it, and it is a done deal. Shane Waldron is coming in as the brand-new offensive coordinator, and we had thought... The McVeigh slash Kyle Shanahan tree was going to produce the next offensive coordinator. There were many that wanted Greg Roman. Uh, he did interview. He did not get the gig. Who they bring in now as quarterback coach will be an equally important hire. But this is a good one because he had multiple teams talking to him. So I can promise you he's getting paid handsomely. The Bears win that bidding war. And I don't know if that means they've told him, hey, we want you to fix Justin like he did with Geno Smith, or you're going to have Caleb Williams or Drake May, and we want you to help us do the homework while we're picking a new quarterback. There's no clarity on which way it's going to go, and I would be shocked when he does meet the Chicago media if he tips his hand one way or the other. All I know is this is a really, really impressive hire. Shane Waldron has been coaching in college and pro going back to 2005 when he was a graduate assistant at Notre Dame. As of late, Shane Waldron was offensive coordinator for the Rams and for the Seahawks. The Rams between uh, 2017 and 2020. And he was able to coach the likes of Jared Goff, who we saw over the weekend, quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and Sean Mannion. Also was able to preside over an offense that had Cooper Cup on it. Cooper Cup, one of the great wide receivers of all time uh, in Rams history based on the numbers. Brandon Cook's part of that as well. And with the Seahawks coaching the likes of Russell Wilson, the soon-to-be Hall of Famer, and Geno Smith. So this is Shane Waldron, a guy who's 44 years of age. And uh, I would believe, Cap, from my standpoint, this is the biggest hire to date for Ryan Poles. It's the most important hire. And because of that, you want to make sure that you get this right. I can't just classify this as a top-shelf hire. He's a man that's wanted, as you just laid out, two or three teams looking at Waldron Services to get him away from Seattle. But the bottom line is it's the most important one because you, they did not move on from Matt Eberflus as head coach for the Chicago Bears. All right, fine, he's coming back. But whoever presides over this offense, whoever the quarterback is, whether that is uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May, whether that is Justin Fields, whatever, this person has to be able to unlock this offense to make sure that this offense is potent and productive like we've seen in the playoffs over the weekend. 
bringing him in and looking at, as you just laid out, some of his history, quite impressive. He's 44 years of age, born in Portland. He uh, went to Tufts, which is a phenomenal academic institution out east. So, uh, obviously, a very intelligent young man. You said Notre Dame, where he started, went to the Patriots. He worked in um, for the Hartford Colonials in one of the uh, United Football Leagues way back when. Then went to UMass and then to the Washington Redskins as offensive quality control coach. And then moved from there with Sean McVay, which tells you, Sean gets his bite at the apple with the Rams. I want you to come with me. That's impressive right then and there. He's the tight ends coach at 17. He's the pass game coordinator in 18. And then becomes passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach before he goes to the Seahawks as the O coordinator. And with Pete Carroll forced out, all the coaches on the staff were told, you have the ability to go look for other jobs because we can't guarantee you a job. So really good. I'm looking forward to seeing what Shane Waldron can bring to this Bears team. But the question is, who is he coaching? Correct. Is he coaching a, a rookie quarterback or is he coaching Justin Fields? This There are some already on, on social media speculating, okay, this means Justin's staying. Nope, this means Caleb Williams is coming in or Drake May. I think it's way too early to be able to speculate on what this means for the quarterback, but this will get him in the building ASAP. He will be in Lake Forest, I would imagine, very quickly and involved in every meeting on every quarterback prospect. He will be with Ryan Poles in lockstep in Eberflus when they spend several days with Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels and J.J. McCarthy and everybody else. And then they'll put all this data into their system and go, all right, what are we doing? Are we making a trade of the pick? Are we picking a new quarterback? There are some I spoke to over the weekend that believe no way they are not taking Caleb Williams or Drake May. There are others, oh, no, 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 they're keeping Justin. Well, this we'll is, find out. This is why the conversation is polarizing. But, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. You know, people can say that ultimately it's on the talent, and that is correct, that the talent has to be able to produce cap, that whoever's on the field, whatever scheme you put out there, it's up to the talent to be able to get it done. But it has to be the right scheme for the, the right player. And this is why it, this is a big difference. This is why that there's a disconnect right down State Street of half the people that say that you should go with a, a rookie quarterback, I've seen enough of Fields, or Fields just needs more seasoning. It, you know, it starts with a better coaching. And, and it also they talk about the uh, amount of weapons that Fields can utilize, including better offensive line play and also being able to have a bookend receiver on the other side of D.J. Moore. However, as I mentioned, and I'm not going to get off of this point, that how big this hire is. Whoever it is, Cap, you need to be able to ignite this offense to get it on fire as quickly as possible. This also, can I just say this? I, I would also say that this, Cap, is uh, huge for Waldron because of the quarterbacks he's coached before, Jared Goff. Now, what did you think of Goff when he was at the Rams? Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Super Bowl champion? Well, they got to a Super Bowl. They got a Super lost. Bowl. They lost. Yep. And then Goff heads to Detroit. They bring in Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. But then he heads off to Seattle so he can be the play caller. Yeah. yeah. But when you have Sean McVay on your resume and he has ties to Kyle Shanahan, 
that was the tree we kept hearing from people in the league. I talked to two guys who I really respect who work in front offices. They both said, you're not hiring Greg Roman. I can promise you that. Mm -hmm. They'll talk to him. They'll get his opinions. They're getting someone from the McVay-Shanahan tree. It's a lock, and they did. Yeah, it's what uh, Shea asked during uh, Shot or No Shot, was saying, is it good to have Greg Roman in the room to be able to get his, um, his intel? Sure. You want to talk to a lot of different people. What do you think of our team? Because maybe from those interviews, from that process, you could listen and say, all right, this is what Greg Roman says about our team. What do you think? And you talk to the next candidate about that, and you kind of build your questions to the, um, uh, to the people that you're interviewing. The interviews are over, though, because Shane Waldron is going to be the new offensive coordinator for the Bears. Cap, I, I think this is big for Waldron as well, because either way, you're trying to fix Justin Fields to the point where, hey, man, it's not just running the football or the big looping uh, throws down the field. It's about the underneath. It's be able to matriculate the ball down the field, taking time off the clock, those things on a regular basis. Or you're trying to tutor the next-generation quarterback, whether that's Drake May or Caleb Williams. Either way, this is huge for Waldron. This is not the ready-made veteran like Geno Smith, who he turned around, by the way. Yes. It helped with Geno Smith. Correct. You already have a Hall of Famer in Russell Wilson that you worked with. There is Jared Goff, and we see how well he's playing with Detroit now. Sean Mannion is another quarterback that he worked with. So even it's not just for the Bears, but also for Waldron. This is big for him. How does he fix Justin Fields in the offense, or how does he work with Caleb Williams or Drake May? Either way, this is huge for this young OC. And how did he get to Seattle? Russell Wilson pushed for, I want that guy. Mm -hmm. Bring that guy in. And so he was the guy that they brought in. Pete Carroll brought him in, speaks glowingly about Shane Waldron's abilities. How about this? The Vegas Raiders need a new offensive coordinator. They have three names on their list that were being linked to them this weekend. Shane Waldron being one of them. He's off the board now. Luke Getze. Luke Getze. So we'll see where he ends up. And he deserves that opportunity. He deserves it. He's more well-respected in the league than he is in this town. Mm -hmm. And this is why those people that respect Luke Getze, I'm sure, say, boy, what happened there in Chicago? Couldn't fix fields, huh? All right, we'll move on to the next because that's how it works in coaching. Correct. Like I saw that situation in Chicago. Boy, you guys tanked and... Try to uh, pull the nose up on the plane of the Chicago Bears. It just didn't work out, huh? All right. Yeah. Well, can you work with this person as a quarterback's control person or the next offensive coordinator? I get that because that's how the cycle works in coaching. So Getsy is not the worst, but he certainly is not the best, and he'll have an opportunity someplace else. So for those that are driving this morning and they hear us talk about Shane Waldron, we laid out the resume of who Shane Waldron is. But I guess the question for you, the Bears fan, is when you take a look at everything's happened with this with this Bears team, you know, was it did it come down to coaching or did it come down to the inability to be able to produce on the field from a player standpoint? You know, sometimes fans look at the players cap and just say, you know, these are just pieces. Did you supposed to move around the chessboard? It's up to the coaches to be able to get to the right thing. I mean, hey, you can have a scheme like the Bears had, which is similar to Green Bay scheme. And either you're going to produce in it or not. And for the Chicago Bears, they did not produce in that scheme. I don't, I don't know if, if people know how similar or how absolutely dead on the Green Bay system is to the Bears system. It's about what you do in that system, isn't that is it? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. So you saw a similar to that over the weekend. It's like, wait, those same plays that the Bears couldn't execute, the Packers were doing those same plays. That's correct. 
It's interesting. Same type of system, but they have Jordan Love executing it, and they have Matt LaFleur, who's better than Luke Getze, for sure. But they want a quarterback the style of Jordan Love as opposed to a quarterback the style of Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. Yeah. Doesn't make him right, doesn't make him wrong. All I know is that they should have won on Saturday. They should still be standing. It should be Packers at Lions in the NFC title game. Oh, man. <laughs> That'd be something, wouldn't it? Oh, boy. So that's the news today that Shane Waldron will uh, be the new offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears right here in the home of the Bears, ESPN 1000. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776, our phone number still to come. We'll hear from Courtney Cronin, who covers the Chicago Bears like a blanket for ESPN.com. We'll hear from Courtney coming up at 735. Uh, but you had a chance to be able to sit down with an all-time great regarding what's happening with the Chicago Bears. I did. I got a chance to spend time with Keyshawn Johnson over the weekend. Uh, we've developed a really nice friendship. He's a really good guy. And Key is working over at Fox now. And we taped a podcast together on Saturday. And he's a Justin guy. He knows Caleb Williams. He's in the USC family. He's a USC Hall of Famer. He was the last uh, wide receiver to go number one in the draft. Mm -hmm. 1996, after torturing Northwestern in the Rose Bowl. And we talked about a number of topics. Yeah, So Keyshawn Johnson, who has always had a strong opinion, was talking about... Uh, where he places fields amongst the quarterbacks in the NFC North. He's more talented and athletic than any of the three people you just named. Okay. That's number one. Okay. And you talk about the three quarterbacks outside of him. What is the consistency that those three quarterbacks have had in those three seasons that they've been in the National Football League? Better coaching, better support, and consistency. Okay, Kirk Cousins has had consistency. Kevin O'Connell has been there. Prior to that, he had Zimmer for a long time. Right? Consistency. Green Bay, Matt LaFleur. Consistency. Even though it was Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love was able to learn behind him and be there. The coaching didn't change. The script didn't change. It's the same game plan. It's the same script. I may not be physically in the game, but I can look at Aaron Rodgers and I can make those point throws that I did against the Cowboys and people would say if I put on a 12 it looks just like Rodgers but I got a 10 on so Justin Fields is yet to have consistency so thoughts there from Keyshawn Johnson yeah I think we all see that yeah and as he and I talked and we'll play some more of it we got into a number of things we talked about the Caleb Williams hype train. Okay, what is his? What are your thoughts on his thoughts about the NFC North quarterbacks? Since we just played that, what are you, what are your thoughts on how he looks at the rest of the quarterbacks? He says that he's uh, uh, more talented, more skilled, physically gifted. Yes, he can't. And, and as we continued our conversation, we can't or he can't dispute the fact that Justin's performance hasn't lived up to Kirk Cousins, J, uh, Jason. Jared Goff and Jordan Love. Mm -hmm. He doesn't dispute that. He believes a better OC, another receiver, a better offensive line, and he thinks you would get the same numbers. I'm not convinced he's right, but who am I to tell the guy that was the number one pick and has, you know, a tremendous career and he's a really sharp, intelligent guy. And he's got a perspective where he's right there in LA and a USC Hall of Famer. 
on Caleb Williams. So he looks at Justin versus the other three and feels like he's been put in the worst situation. We then got into resetting the quarterback room. That's another discussion. But in terms of athleticism, yeah, Justin's the most gifted of the three. No doubt about it. The Chargers have gone to one playoff game. A uh, rookie contract, da-da-da-da-da, one playoff game. But the reason I'm saying this to you is because what people do is lazy. Yes, they said that they, they got young quarterbacks, but in that time span, in the time span that they were on rookie deals, guess what? They ain't done Because at the end of the day, the prize is the ring. Okay? Outside of Patrick Mahomes, none of them have gone and won a Super Bowl on a rookie deal. So this, I'm going to reset it. Okay. So reset it. And be in the next five years on a new rookie contract in the same muddy water talking about, well, anyway, Caleb Williams isn't giving us anything right now. Guess we're going to reset the market. Little Keyshawn Johnson is up for the draft. Let's take a look at him. This is what you're doing. So three years from now, oh, what are we going to do with Bryce Young? He hasn't won any playoff games. Let's reset the market. How does that work out for you? What are you doing? Okay, so from a veteran player standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, Keyshawn Johnson's opinion is not rare because Lance Briggs pretty much said the same thing from our family here at ESPN Chicago. There's been a number of, of players that feel like if you have a veteran quarterback that you've grown up with, that that veteran quarterback is somehow going to be able to figure it out. They blame the organization. They blame the coaching first. Keyshawn Johnson looks at it who's been – battered as a wide receiver because he's he's worked with like 15 or 20 different quarterbacks in his career yep he does not like the idea that the bears would reset the quarterback market because it feels like starting over we've had some of our listeners that said the same thing that boy if you bring a quarterback in you feel like you're starting from square one i don't agree you're starting from square one but i would say that i understand the point of view from a former player saying hey man I know this guy. I work with him. We work out together. I know his work ethic. Stick with him because at least that guy is a veteran versus someone who's never done the job before in the NFL. So I understand that perspective. I do understand the perspective. He believes, he said, look, look at Patrick Mahomes. Came into the league, sat for an entire season, learned how to be a pro, learned how to understand Andy Reid, learned how to read a defense, Oh, and by the way, they supported him, not only training him off the field, but putting pieces around him that gave him a chance to have early success until he established himself. He talked about Josh Allen, same deal. He said when he came in the league, really struggled. But guess what? Repetition. Keep working and keep working. Oh, and he's got a better O-line. Oh, and he's got Stephon Diggs, and he's got this guy and that guy. He said, you guys in Chicago have never committed to I'm building everything around that guy. Oh, we'll drop one receiver in. All right, you got one receiver. Good luck. He said, keep building your team. Very interesting perspective. Look, as I said to you a billion times, I don't care if you're the quarterback. If my Bears are playing in the NFC title game next year, I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. So there's no agendas here. I just want what's best for the Bears. 
period. Sure, absolutely. It's about trying to get to where these teams um, it's about for the Bears to be able to get to where we saw this weekend to see where the Lions were and the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Ravens. That's where we want the Bears to be. So I, I totally understand that. But again, I understand that perspective of Keyshawn Johnson saying, hey, you guys have never gotten it right. You know, stick with Justin Fields. I have no problem with that. As long as you could be able to unlock some of the issues with this offense, I'm all for it. I, I couldn't care less. Again, I could say that and people will be able to say I'm saying something different. Because that's where we are in 2024. Again, someone's opinion is stronger than the facts. The, my fact and my truth is is that I want the Bears to be able to get the right offensive coordinator and the right offensive pieces so that way this ball club can move forward. Correct. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to for me. So, okay, so, so if you trade out of one, you're going to get a haul. Sure. Even if the haul is only the same haul as last year, and I think it would be more because Caleb – and Drake May are more highly regarded than, at the time, the prospects in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud has certainly answered a lot of the doubters who did not have him number one. The Hall is going to allow you to have a stud receiver, for sure. You'll get one of Marvin Harrison or Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze. I don't know if any of those guys are on the board at three. And you're going to get future picks. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's going to be the number one pick next year. I think that was, you know, Providence, the good lord of the football world, smiling down. I'm going to give you the number one pick again. Sure. Get it right. Mm-hmm. Get it right. Yeah. And now, with Shane Waldron, if you're just waking up, Shane Waldron of the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll out. Their entire staff was told you might have a job here. we got to see who we hire as a head coach. They're not close to getting a head coach hired. You guys are all free. you got families to get another job if you want. He had multiple teams after him. Ryan Poles has won the bidding war. And Shane Waldron has agreed to become the new offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. Now, who do they put around him as the um, quarterback coach and the tight ends coach? And They, they have seven openings on their staff on, between offense and defense. Chris Harris, the former Bear, yeah. from the, he's with the Titans coaching staff. He is interviewing to be the D.C. Not sure if he'll include play calling or Eberflus keeps it. We'll find out. But things are starting to fall into place. Everything, anything and everything to help the Chicago Bears to be the organization that they should be. Correct. And that is shining through in the NFC North like we saw with the Packers and the Lions this weekend. I mean, and it's just amazing. And speaking of the division, Cap, and we'll take your phone calls coming up, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Speaking of the NFC North, it was big representation for the NFC North to see the Lions and Packers on the big stage. First of all, the Lions win 31-23, to and the atmosphere at Ford Field was electric. The thirst of the fans for a championship run was pretty palpable, wasn't it? I mean, just watching that scene, back-to-back games there in the playoffs, Cap, Playoff games at home at Ford Field, and it was just amazing to watch that atmosphere because the fans have been waiting for this since 91, and look where they are right now. They've got a really good team. I love their coach. You know I liked him the day they hired him. And Rex Ryan did a sit-down with him. I watched it on a postseason countdown. Brett and I are up early. I'm drinking my coffee, and he sits down with Dan Campbell, and then they came back to Rex who has pledged to make the Super Bowl. He's going to dye his hair Honolulu blue. Sure. Which would be awesome. He said, look, I know that people called that guy a meathead at his first president. We're going to bite an ankle and a knee and a this and a that. 
He said he promised he was going to return the Detroit Lions to the top of the football world. He's got you in the potentially NFC title game if they won yesterday. They did. And he said, I, that guy has delivered on his promise. Football matters again in the Motor City. Mm-hmm. Shay, our great executive producer, Shay Norling, he was there with his dad yesterday. He bought the tickets, wasn't cheap. He was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Dude, those are moments. My dad's gone. Your dad's gone. Those are moments when you're sitting there and you can look down. Wow, that's my dad right there. And his dad was emotional being able to do that with them. When he won last week, the dad had tears in his eyes. He's a lifelong Lions fan. Super cool. Green Bay, that's the first year for Jordan Love as a starter. They should have won the other night. So our, I believe our division going into next year, if Cousins is back in Minnesota, is the best division in football. Not easy. A hell of a ball game with Detroit defeating Tampa, and here's why. So Jared Goff, the quarterback for Detroit, 30 for 43, good for 287 yards and two touchdowns. They had a potent running game. They were 6 for 14 on third down, 5 yards of play, 6.2 yards per pass, effective being able to take time off the clock. The belief from Campbell and the coaching staff to be able to win back-to-back games at home in a playoff scenario is just amazing. They earned this. They earned this opportunity. Now, here's it was interesting about the Lions, and I think that I know why that you like Dan Campbell so much, and that is his aggressiveness. There's some, there's some plays where it just was a head-scratcher, where everything to Dan Campbell is all in. Everything is pushed to the middle of the table. And it's, it's interesting that, like, on second down or on third down, third and 14, the way they were able to throw the football to get the first down to really uh, uh, you know, lock in the game for the Lions. Just certain plays on second down where you'd rather run the ball, especially when you have the lead. You'd rather run the football. No, they throw the football. They throw the football because that's part of their system. But traditionally, if you have the lead, 8, 10 points, you kind of want to take time off the clock, especially in the second half. No, not the Lions. They, they, the ball's in the air. And I just thought that that was like, wow, that's really strange. So I would say that one of the reasons why that you like Campbell so much is because he's just, you know, we talk about riverboat gambler. He does a lot of that. He's me. Yeah. Pretty much just all in. Let's Every, go. Everybody else from Andy Reid all the way down would say, all right, we've got the lead here. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Just take time off the clock. Third down and long. Let's just be able to take time off the clock. Let's force the Buccaneers to take a timeout. No, not the Lions. That's not how you do business. Everything is pedal to the metal with this Lions team. Yeah, I hated that Todd Bowles went for two when they got it to 31 to 23. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Well, the analytics say it's 3% more that they could win the game. I hated it. Hated it. If you kick the extra point, now a touchdown and an extra point ties the game. Or I can go, you know what? I'm riverboat gambling. We're going for two right here. We're going to win the game. Win or lose, let's go. You're on the road. Crazy environment in there. I could, I, look, analytics play a huge role in sports. Sure. But at some, at, there are times it's too much. It's enough. Well, the analytics say you ought to bring the right-handed pitcher in here. No, because I know more because the right-handed pitcher was in the bars last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot stand the over-reliance on analytics. It's what it is. This is what it is. It drives me nuts. Yeah, especially in baseball. You're right about that. Jared Goff, though, take your hat off to him. Against the Blitz on Sunday, Cap. Against the Blitz, 
six for seven to run in the fourth quarter. Yep. You know when it when it matters. Six for seven uh, against the blitz in the fourth quarter. Seventy four passing yards. Got that one touchdown as well. So uh, against an aggressive defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Golf was able to shine. I want to give Tampa their flowers as well because that's a playoff team as well. Baker Mayfield played well enough for the Buccaneers to win. They just didn't have enough points, and the defense could not stop some of the big plays from the Lions. When you see Mayfield, three touchdowns, almost 400 yards passing, pretty good day. Again, the two interceptions, though, came back to hurt, especially at the end. I didn't think the Buccaneers were going to win that game at the very end as Mayfield gave up the interception, but give Mayfield credit. Some really big throws in crucial situations to keep the Buccaneers even in the game. He did. He played great. Mm -hmm. Whether he's back there or not remains to be seen, but he talked about how much he... The time in Tampa meant to him. He said, I don't know what the future holds, but I had a great experience here. The coaches were great, the teammates, the city, everything. That guy's a really good football player. He's been unfairly maligned for a long time. He took the Browns to a playoff victory. Sure. People forget that. That's the Browns. He's a good football player. And we'll see what they end up doing down there. But he will not be without a job for very long. The Lions was just that much better. And so here they go. The latest I saw was that Detroit was a seven-point underdog against San Francisco. I don't know if that's your latest line, yeah, but that, I saw that's seven. that's what I saw. Number seven. Seven. Okay. That'll be interesting to see a San Francisco team that uh, it was able to survive. And that's what it's about in the playoffs. They survived that game offensively. Brock Purdy was not great. But he was able to make the play when he needed to to be able to uh, ice ice that ball game. When he had to go down the field yeah. to get it done, he, he got, got it, done. it done. Yeah. He got it done. We haven't seen that in our town yet. Right. Whether maybe that's coming with Justin, but we have not seen him do that. Right. All the quarterbacks look good. And when you, if you watch the playoff games, when Cap and I say we want better for the Chicago Bears, it looks like that. We'd love for it to look like Lamar Jackson, the offense. We'd love for it to look like Jordan Love in Green Bay, uh, Jared Goff in Detroit, uh, with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Josh Allen in Buffalo. That's what we're talking about. You could see, Cap, on your big screen TV, the electricity coming off of your screen yeah. on these playoff games. The hits are a little harder. The throws are a little sharper. You know, I mean, so the defense is a little bit more keen because they know that every play matters. It's not just like the regular season game at Soldier Field in October where you just kind of, just kind of meander down the field, and you throw the ball away, you just have kind of pedestrian offense. No, no, no. The, in these games, we saw the best of the best. That's what it looks like. That's what we're striving for here in Chicago, the way it looks like that on both sides of the football. Well said. What is your favorite sport? Spaceball. Correct. Mm-hmm. Same with me. Yeah. I'm on the phone with my brother last night after the second game ended. He's like, oh, God, the NFL? He goes, we love baseball. He goes, the World Series compared to that is a joke. A oh. joke. Yeah, yeah. It's all on the line. Oh, but God. But the all- NFL, it's not even close. It's amazing. It looks like, and our team, I hope it gets better. We're like in a covered wagon with the Amish compared to the Ferraris that are out on the highway. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Told you. We see the sophomore game every single Sunday with the Bears. The varsity played over the weekend. The varsity last cool. night. The Chiefs and the Bills, we are not close. No. And that's where we're trying to build toward.
Yes. All right. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Jump in in our conversation about Shane Waldron, the new OC, and your thoughts about the playoffs yesterday. Uh, coming up, we'll hear from Courtney Cronin with the latest on the Bears. What's next now that Waldron has been locked in by the Bears? We're talking to you about it on the home of the Bears, Cap and J-Hood, ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back to Cap and J-Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Keep your beak out of this. Courtney Cronin. National Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN. You have to temper expectations if you are a Bears fan, just given everything that this team had to kind of undo. Breaking down the Bears and the latest NFL storylines. Poles was given the flexibility and the freedom to take this thing down to the ground floor, down to the studs, to be able to build it back up. Courtney Cronin with Captain J. Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Courtney Cronin covers the Bears for ESPN and ESPN.com, and she's on the hotline. That'd be the Cox Tired Auto Hotline, Johnny. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Good morning, Courtney. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you doing? We're doing awesome. We've got an offensive coordinator who had other offers, and the Bears win the bidding war. Your thoughts on Shane Waldron coming in from Seattle. Yeah, first uh, name that surfaced, I think it was like the night of the press conference that we had heard from Kevin Warren, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and then very quickly you saw the team was already starting to compile its list of, of coordinator candidates, and Shane Waldron from Seattle was at the top of that list, and it's interesting. I mean, they had nine. They really did a thorough search, like nine names that we had heard, and even as of late last night, Jeremy Fowler had reported the team reached out to the Chargers to try to get Kellen Moore to interview for the OC opening, but he was obviously blocked because that would be a lateral move and he's still under contract. But this is a different way of doing business for this team. Ten, you know, ten candidates that they wanted to talk to, nine in total that they got to talk to for an OC opening. It's not a head coach opening. That's an OC opening. So I think it shows you the due diligence, all of the different systems that they were considering going with, and you hire somebody who's one of four candidates from this list that had worked under Sean McVay extensively in the last three seasons, he was the play caller in Seattle. So you bring somebody in who has pretty extensive experience doing that with a number of different quarterbacks from Russell Wilson to Drew Locke to Geno Smith. And now you uh, bring somebody in who is going to be part of the decision on where, on the direction that they go in at quarterback. Courtney, I said that this is the biggest hire to date for Ryan Poles because this offensive coordinator has to either work with from scratch with a rookie quarterback in Caleb Williams and or Drake May or Justin Fields and try to fix this offense. So how do you assess this hire? Where is this where do you place this hire amongst others by polls? It's up there. I would I mean certainly, you know, you think of you know, he hasn't made that many hires specifically to, you know, the coaching staff. He's made some big moves. I mean, you can take a look. You can, If you want to group this in there with the DJ Moore trade, with the Montez Sweat trade, uh, you could probably put it in there as, you know, one of those top three things. But it shows you how important it was by the number of candidates and how long it took. And I know two weeks isn't really that long when you've got nearly double-digit candidates that you're speaking to, whether virtually or in person. They did their due diligence, but they didn't rush into a decision. They didn't hire somebody who just had 
connections to someone on the staff, somebody that Matt Eberflus had coached with before. I think the only guy on that list was was Marcus Brady, who you know was with was was with Eberflus in Indianapolis. So it really it, it shows a different way of doing things. Like their process is different this time around, and that as a if you're a Bears fan should give you confidence that this is the right higher for what they want to do, regardless of who they plan to have at quarterback. And if you go back to that January 10th press conference, Ryan Pohl said he didn't feel that the team needed to know for, you know, in a concrete manner, this is the direction we're going at quarterback because he wanted to hear the plans that all the coordinator candidates they would interview would have for the current quarterback or somebody that's sitting there in the draft. And that's the way I think you get, you know, you compile the most information and gives you a, a large body of work to sift, sift from instead of, you know, going about it in ways that maybe feel more comfortable, maybe more status quo of how they've made hires in the past, um, you know, this organization, but others as well in the NFL. So let's talk about this hire and what you think from your seat. And you watch as much film as anybody. Does this bode well for the Caleb Williams contingent out there, or the Justin Fields contingent who says, oh, we're getting this guy? That means Justin's staying. To me, this one is not as clear-cut as, you know, if they hired Greg Roman, you're probably thinking they're keeping Justin Fields. If they hired Cliff Kingsbury, whose name popped up last week for an interview, it's probably going the direction of Caleb Williams. There's a lot to like with Shane Waldron specific to either quarterback because of how many different quarterbacks he had during his time with Seattle, but also before that, when you go back to you know the four years he spent with the Rams uh, in a multitude of roles, quarterbacks coach, pass game coordinator, he had Matthew Stafford there for, I believe, his last season in um, Los Angeles, like Waldron's last season before he went to Seattle. I could see this going either way, because when you take a look at what Russ did, it was probably his you know, worst season or one of his worst seasons in Seattle, even though he still made the Pro Bowl that 2021 season, you still had somebody who, you know, Waldron could tap tap into quite a bit of his skill sets. And then the resurgence that you got from Geno Smith last year, where he's first in completion percentage, you know, fifth in passer rating, seventh in QBR, eighth in, in passing yards, over 4,200. There's a lot to like about what he did there and how you could see maybe the growth of Justin Fields as a passing quarterback, but also getting Caleb Williams into a system where you're tapping into that same dual threat ability. So I, I, I personally think it's too early to tell which direction this points in considering how many quarterbacks Shane Waldron has coached, but that probably is something you're going to hear the Bears talk about when we do get this you know, when the, the team officially announces it, I was told this morning that they're working to get a deal done today. So hopefully we have a press conference this week. But to hear about how many guys he coached at that position and got a lot of production out of, that is a big draw to an organization that's still not trying to tip its hand in the direction that it's going and trying to figure out which direction ultimately it will be going a quarterback. Talking to Courtney Cronin about the latest with the Chicago Bears. We'll talk more about Waldron and the NFL playoffs with Courtney after this on Cap and J Hood. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Cap and J Hood are back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Courtney Cronin. 
Cap and Jay Hood, weekday morning, 7 to 10 on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Here's hope that you're going to have a great Monday and have a great week. We're talking about Shane Waldron, the new offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears with Courtney Cronin from ESPN and ESPN.com. Courtney, so what does this hire say about the new era Chicago Bears? Over the years, as you well know, maybe the Bears go to the middle of the shelf or the bottom of the shelf or try to hire from within. But because we heard the name of Waldron and... You know, again, many teams seeking his services. What did I say about the Bears, the way they do business? Yeah, and the team seeking his services. I think the Saints popped up last week after they fired Pete Carmichael. So I'm sure that little little bit of a fire to get this thing done less than two weeks after they fired Luke Getze. But it's it's a, it's you just take a look at how many candidates they interviewed for this job and shows you the due diligence that they weren't just going to go with the first option available or the comfortable option. And you have somebody from arguably the strongest offensive coaching tree in the NFL. Now it's, it's not a direct tie to Kyle Shanahan, but like there's four other court, four other candidates or four candidates in total that interviewed or that interviewed for the Bears job that were part of that, McVeigh coaching tree and it's him it's, it was Thomas Brown Liam Cohen and Zach Robinson so like the McVeigh Shanahan Kubiak whichever other names you want to throw into that tree the guys who revolutionized this passing game it's an offensive system that across the league has taken a lot of different types of quarterbacks with these west coast principles that they use the play action under center so on and so, so forth that have been able to get a lot out of quarterbacks that in other ways they might not have been able to, if these quarterbacks were in different systems. Now you ask yourself, well, what is that going to do to either maximize the skill set of Justin Fields or of a quarterback that's not currently on this team? You know, there's a lot to like there. We hear about this being such a quarterback friendly offense that, you know, not to simplify it, but it's, it's got the principles that, Hey, anybody, no matter what system you've been in before, no matter what habits you have to break, what habits, what skills you have to hone, you can succeed in this system. That should give Bears fans, you know, I, I would believe, like, call, you know, optimism about the way that they can, the way that this offense can change. Uh, and certainly the play calling experience, I think, is a big one because Luke Getze didn't have that coming in after, you know, a number of years under Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. So regardless of whether it's Fields or whether it's Caleb Williams at quarterback, they've got somebody who's not learning the job of how to call plays at the same time the quarterback's learning a new offense. As people continue to say, oh, this means Justin's definitely coming back. Oh, that means it's definitely going to be Caleb. I would think if Ryan Poles is as good as I think he is, he is saying to Shane, okay, we're going to get on a plane. We're going to go to L.A. We're going to spend three days with Caleb Williams. We're going to go to dinner. We're going to go to lunch. We're going to talk. We're going to walk. We're going to figure out everything that makes that dude tick. You're going to do the same thing with Drake May and Jaden Daniel, all these guys. And then they're going to sit down and they're going to talk with Justin. And then Shane Waldron's going to have, I'm not saying he's making the decision, but they are going to give him huge, Mm -hmm. huge presence in that room. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. You don't hire an offensive coordinator who had other options. We don't know how many others besides the Saints request that they put in last week, but you don't hire an offensive coordinator and then say, hey, this is the quarterback we have already selected for you to coach, and you're going to coach this guy, because I don't think that would make it an attractive opening 
if they went about it that way. And they know that their their expertise was outside of the building. Very clearly, they didn't feel the offensive staff that they had in place was capable of either helping Justin Fields take that next step in year four or developing a new quarterback. So whoever you were to bring in, and they, again, nine candidates, that's no slouch. This isn't a head coaching opening, like for, for a position coach, more or less, um, you know, as a coordinator. That's a lot of people that they were hearing from to get their idea on what the plan should be at the position. So certainly he's going to have a say and probably a pretty big one on who the quarterback's going to be, who he wants to come here and coach. Now, what's really curious, though, in terms of the timing, like I wonder how much of the Cliff Kingsbury news that we heard about on Thursday, and I believe it was over the weekend that they went down to L.A. to interview him, was that just to get information on Caleb Williams? Was it just to put it out there to either throw people off their scent or make them think they're going a certain direction the same way that the that you know kind of what popped up with the Greg Roman name emerging last week? You know, how much of that was a true? Hey, we really think that this guy could come in here and be a an offensive viable offensive coordinator for us versus they need information on Caleb as a player, as a person, as they go about what you were saying, Cap doing. You know, doing all their homework on these quarterback candidates that are you know either in the building or somewhere else right now. Courtney, what was the most entertaining game for you over the weekend? Gosh, I mean the Lions game yesterday was was awesome, and just to watch how you know just how that whole thing unfolded, where there really wasn't much left in doubt there, and even with it being a one score game at the end. But I will say the most entertaining game was Packers and Forty Niners. Mm-hmm. I mean watching. Watching Jordan Love go full Brett Favre NFC Championship game for 09, throwing that thing across his body. Like, I just keep hearing Paul Allen screaming, this is not Detroit, in my mind over and over and over again the last couple of days. I just, I, I've never seen something that, have you guys seen the side-by-side that's out there? Oh, on yeah. It's identical. It's, yeah. Arm angle and all. It was the most wild-ass throw I think I've seen in a very long time. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, reading too much into it. Jordan Love didn't look all that upset after he threw that. Like, if he went and, you know, he dapped up, uh, dapped up um, you know, Brock Purdy and talked to some of the other 49ers teammates as they were going across the field. I don't know whether he was just stunned by the audacity he had to make that throw across his body or if if it was something else. But that was... I know there are a lot of happy Bears fans having watched that, but that game was entertaining. And it's nice because a lot of these games have been blowouts. Um, thankfully, you know, at least three of the four divisional playoff games did not fall into that category, but that was the one for me that I'm still thinking about come Monday. All right, a couple things. One, listening to George Kittle after the game. Oh, one other thing. I grew up a Bears fan, so I'm sure they're happy tonight. The Bears. Yeah. yeah. I'm like... How did we take Adam Sheen over that guy from tight end U at Iowa? Right. That's just an observation. Here's the other thing. Can we please, I'm begging the Justin Fields cult out there, whoever the quarterback is, if Courtney's at, at quarterback next year, I'm cool. As long as my Bears win, I'm cool with it. I don't care who's out there. Just put the best person. But holy smokes, can we stop? Lamar Jackson is just Justin Fields with a better coaching staff. Uh Oh, my God. You know what Lamar Jackson's EPA is? 84. Justin's is 43. And he was also the unanimous MVP in his second season. And going to win another one. Oh, it's just a coaching thing. 
I, um, I, I think there's more evidence to support that it's more than that. Not saying that Justin Fields can't get to that level, but it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. As much as some people are trying to make it out to be blaming things, everything outside of the quarterback, which I know I'm going to get called a hater for this too, but I'm used to it by now, Cap, so I invite it. Join the um, club. But, yeah, regardless huh? of what happens, Bears fans will be happy at quarterback if the quarterback is good next year and the team wins games. I think that that's what everybody needs to put aside no matter what happens over the next the decisions that are made the next three months. Yes. As always, Courtney, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. We'll see you Friday. Have a Thanks. great day. And is Courtney Cronin with us on the hotline. That would be the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline Jonathan. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Tune in. The 7 o'clock hour of Captain J. Hood is brought to you by... That'd be the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. We will have shot or no shot. That's right around the corner. Two minutes on the home of the Bears ESPN 1000.